Amen. All right. Welcome back to our live stream. Thank you for enduring four minutes of blank screen. We introduced some kingdom partners uh, today, and I appreciate your patience with us. Thanks to all of you that are joining us online, and thank you to you that are here. We're continuing that series called Blessed. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 41, 1 to 3 today. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to turn over there. Psalm 41, 1 to 3. The idea behind this sermon series comes from a social media hashtag. You might have seen it from time to time. People use it, hashtag blessed. And particularly when I see it, I think like, man, people have a really, uh, I almost said weird. I don't want to make you feel weird if you put hashtag blessed on something this morning. Uh, but usually it's kind of weird. Like, hey, my team won the football game, so we're blessed, hashtag blessed, or you know, I'm on vacation, hashtag blessed, or I got a raise, hashtag blessed, or, you know, look at my new car, hashtag blessed, those kinds of things. And, and, and in reality, biblically, being blessed means something completely different. And what we want to do is take six scriptures over six weeks and really talk about what does it mean to be blessed from a biblical perspective. Last week, we started in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Today, we're going to jump into Psalm 41, 1 to 3. All of these sermons are not in the book of Psalms, just the first two, but the first two are, I think, very fitting and frame the rest of the series. So let's do this. Would you stand with me? We're going to read Psalm 41, 1 to 3. And if you're our guest, we say this phrase, the very words after the main text reading, just to distinguish God's word from my own. So here's what the scripture says. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. You can be seated. All right, so let's go to seminary for just a minute. You ready? You don't even have to pay for this. We're just going to audit the class. Um, so there are a couple things about the Psalms that you need to understand. There are five books within the book of Psalms. Uh, the first one is the first book of the Psalter, which is the, they, they call, it, call them the Psalter because there are different people that wrote the, the different Psalms. A lot of them are attributed to David, some to different people. So sometimes we say the Psalter, the one who wrote the Psalms. The first book of the Psalter is, is chapter 1 to 41. Chapter 1 to 41. So last week we started with chapter 1. The first word in the book was blessed. We're ending the first book of the Psalms, first of five books. And the first word in the last Psalm of that first book, are you still hanging with me? is blessed, blessed. So it begins and ends with blessed. And that word blessed is the word asre. It's, it's, it's this idea of the closest thing we have to it in the English language is happy, happiness. It is uh, maybe different than what people think about when they think about happiness, but it's this idea of, of, of total contentment. 
uh, blessed. So we get blessed is the one who considers the poor. Now, if you read this Psalm 41 in its entirety, what you're going to find out is this is a Psalm of David. David the king wrote this Psalm. Uh, He writes it as a complaint to God. I mean, if I was... If I was titling this psalm, I would write it, I would title it, David Complains. It's a complaint to God. Has anybody ever complained to God? Come on. You can complain to God. He can handle it. David does right here. This entire psalm is a complaint to God. He complains to God because he's sick and people are plotting his death and he can't even do anything about it because he's so sick. It's just like, where am I? I can't fight. I can't because I'm so sick. And he complains. It's very, it's very human. He reminds himself in this complaint. He reminds himself in, in, in a time when he's poor and weak and can't really do anything about his situation. He reminds himself in the whole of the psalm who God is. He reminds God who he is. <laughs> do, you, do you remember me? He complains, generally. (laughs) Why do I have to be sick? This is ridiculous. And why are people chasing me? That's the basis. He encourages then the reader, all of us, toward the righteous path of God in this. He asks the Lord to be gracious to him and delight in him and protect him from people that he can't protect himself from because he's so sick. And then in verse 13, the end, he just submits to the sovereignty of God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. It's a complaint. The genre, everybody know what that is, right? We're still in seminary for just a second. I'll get out of there. But the genre, you have to understand, is it's the writings So it's wisdom literature and it's poetic. Why do we even care about that? Because you cannot take wisdom literature and prescribe it to every situation. For instance, have you heard the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he will not depart from it? Proverbs 22. Has anybody ever heard that? Okay, put your hand down. Have you ever known anyone who trained up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he departed from it? Raise your hands also. Good. Wisdom literature is, this is the righteous path of God. These things are generally true, but should not be prescribed to every situation. It's not like rubbing a genie's lamp. If you do this and then do that, then... You know, X plus Y equals Z. We want to make it like that, but it's not. And understand the genre is important. Now, we're going to study three words, and then we'll get out of seminary, all right? So verse 1, blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble, the Lord who delivers them. So I want to look at blessed, considers, and poor. So blessed, we already talked about. This is Asher. It means happy. It harkens back to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't, what? Anybody go there this week? Come on, say it loud. Look. Okay. Doesn't sit in the council of what? Scoffers. But his delight is in the what? Law of the Lord. Good. All right. So it harkens back to that. Second, we get this word considers. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. So this is the word saw call. It means understands, considers, takes, no, take note, 
takes note, has insight, or gives attention to somebody. So it's someone who is paying attention, take notes, and does something about it. Right? Considers, and then the poor, it's the word dull, it means poor, needy, weaker. It can mean lean, one who is low. Right, so we need to understand all that before we jump right into this. Right, so genre, wisdom, literature, it's not prescriptive, it's encouraging us toward the righteous path of God. And blessed is the one who considers the poor, understanding those three words. Now, here are the three observations I would make, and we need to take in and take to heart today as we think about what does it mean to be a blessed person. The first one is this that we are the poor, weak, and helpless. We are the poor, weak, and helpless. We don't think we are, generally, but we are. On one level, even in this context of the psalm, on one level, David, the king, is admonishing God in this moment to remember him as a poor and weak man. Okay, so here is a king who's got a city named after him, the city of David, who's got a palace located just outside the Temple Mount. Location, location, location. And yet he's saying, remember me, oh God. I'm poor and weak. We are the poor and weak. The king in the situation is the poor and the weak and the helpless. And God considers people who are such. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Now, Isaiah chapter 61, 1 to 2. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is, of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and, to op- and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So, hundreds of years, eight, nine hundred years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah says, there is one coming who will bring good news to the poor who will bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives. Jesus stands up in a synagogue, let's say 900 years later, in his hometown, Nazareth. And Luke, it's recorded in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 20. And he preaches this scripture about himself. He's the one who brings good news to the poor. He's the one that that binds up the brokenhearted. He's the one that proclaims liberty to the captives and opens the prison to those who are are bound. Jesus is the one. Many of you are sitting in this room and watching online because sometime along the way you said, I cannot rescue myself. I need a rescuer. I need a savior. And you turn to Jesus in repentance. You confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the scripture says in that moment, you are saved. When you did that, you recognized in that moment that you were weak and poor. You realize that. It is is the most humbling thing to fall on your face before Jesus and say, I have made a mess of myself. And I cannot rescue myself from myself. 
much less everybody else. And so we turn to him for salvation. He transforms us, gives us new identity and all that. What causes us to be poor, weak, and helpless? It's sin. It's sin that has impact and makes us poor and weak and helpless. It's brokenness of other people and life that makes us poor. It's circumstances that can make us poor, weak, and helpless. The point is this, for every one of you, that you live, no matter how poor financially you think you are, if you look globally, you probably live in the top 5% of all of the rich people in the world. All of them. And so it's hard for Americans to understand we are the weak and poor, but we have to start there. Understanding this psalm. Even David the king was crying out to God, I'm poor in this moment. I'm weak in this moment. We are the poor, the weak, and the helpless. Now here's the second observation that we should make. That's clear in this passage of scripture. So on one level, David's admonishing God to remember him as poor and weak. But on a second level, we learn blessed people consider the poor. On a second level, the writer's telling us to be people who live in life considering the poor. It's not prescriptive. Like if I give to the poor, then I will never be sick. But this is a, a, the righteous path, the path of God. Blessed is the one who considers the poor because we know what it is to be poor and helpless. And so blessed is the one who considers the poor. Now, this has always been the case from beginning to end in Scripture. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. From beginning to end, this has always been the case. Look, we want to talk about a lot of things in Scripture. Can I just tell you that in the English Standard Version translation of the Hebrew and the, and the Greek and the Aramaic, in the English Standard Translation, considering the poor comes up 178 times. 178 times. This is on the heart of God. I'm just going to give you five of those times. I didn't figure that you had time for 178, but no, 178 times. Okay, so listen to what it says in Leviticus. I don't know if you read Leviticus lately. So let me just bring this up. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 10. Remember, this is an agrarian uh, economy. Anybody have a garden right now? Okay, good. We need more gardens in the world. Anyway, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 10. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So if you have a vineyard, which a lot of people have vineyards over there, grapes, vines, figs. When you go to harvest those grapes, which means economy, which means all kinds of stuff for you. When you go to harvest those grapes, you leave some for the poor and the sojourner that are going to come through there. There's this place that I walk through almost every year. If I get the chance, there's a, there's a, 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 a such a long story to boil down in two seconds, but there's a place called Susita. 
on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and you have to come down. It's like a mountain. You got to come down. It's got a bunch of switchbacks. We walk through a farm at the end before we get to uh, a, a place, and there are lychee trees. Do you know what lychee is? Some of you have gotten yogurt, like lychee yogurt. Mm, what's lychee? There's lychee trees. I always grab lychee if they're ripe when I go through there, and I, I eat them. Why? Because Leviticus 19 says that I can't. And they're good with that. But if I take it outside of their vineyard, I'm in trouble. If I can eat it in there. But if I take it outside, I stole it. Like, eat as much as you want while you're in there. That's for the poor, the sojourner, the person passing through. Leviticus 19.10. Leviticus 23.22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, so we're thinking about wheat now. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. So if you have a field, a wheat field, and it comes to harvest, that is a blessing of God. You, you reap that field. It gives you economy, gives you bread, gives you offerings to make at the, the temple and all those kinds of things that we have to do. But you leave the corners of your field unharvested for the poor. So you know how to tell how generous a person is? How big are the corners of their field? You got little tiny corners? Stingy. Right? So it's Leviticus. This is, this is from the beginning. Proverbs 14.31 Check this out. Again, wisdom literature. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults God. But he who is generous to the needy honors him, honors God. Whoever, I'm going to say it again. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the need honors him. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Maybe you're like, hey, that's the Old Testament, but we're on this side of the cross, Pastor Brian. I don't have a wheat field. Luke 14, 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the poor, the helpless, the weak, the needy. Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, speaking of the church in Galatia, we just finished a study of the book of Galatia. They had some questions they sent back to the, to the Jerusalem church, the council in Jerusalem. They answered the question, and the answer to this question is like, what do we have to do uh, to be fully Christian over here? Because we're like Romans who just came to Christ. We don't look very Jewish at all. What do we have to do? And they said a couple of things. One of the things they said is only they ask us, Galatians 2.10, only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now, I'll just tell you, in Galatia, it's the very act of remembering the poor that changed everything. So you have a house church, and we're going back to seminary really quick. A house church in Galatia, oh, let's say in a place like Pisidian Antioch, that's a, a hub for Rome. It's a class system. Everybody is upper class or lower class. No, I'm making it simple. There's a slave class. There's a lower class. 
Then there's an upper class, and there's senators all in Pisidian Antioch. What if you, you go to a house church, and, and let's say I'm in the slave class. I go to the house church where I'm in this crazy class system in Rome. I go to a house church, and in the house church, everything changes. I'm a slave, but the senator that's in that house church is like, hey, you go first, bro. Get your food. <laughs> that changes everything. Right? They said, hey, just remember the poor. I mean, it's 178 times, 178 times translated in the English Standard Version. Now, it is, in fact, Christ's example spurring us on to consider and act on behalf of the poor, weak, needy, and afflicted. He is the ultimate example of what it means to consider the poor. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul makes this statement to the church at Corinth about Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, could become rich. So what are we learning here? That Jesus came, second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, dwelling in perfect community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, came, sent by the Father, born of a baby in a shepherd's cave, the lowliest of lowly, in the Judean wilderness, strapped infant skin on, grew up as a, as a Nazarene, which is a nobody. Scripture says he had no place to lay his head, stayed at his best friend's mother-in-law's house a lot. Died on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. He left the richest of the rich to become poor so that in my poverty, in your poverty, we're poor. We were poor and weak first that we could be made rich, that we could experience what it means to be freed from our sin and given identity in Christ and know that we're going to an inheritance that lasts forever. He's the ultimate example. So if we are, if we're followers of Jesus, he said, come follow me. And we came, we showed up poor and he's put this stuff inside of us and changed our identity and all that. We want to be like him. And he is the ultimate example of what it means to consider the poor. Why is a person blessed? Because they consider the poor. It's because when we take our eyes off ourselves and put them on other people, we are just happier. Did you know that? It's generally true. When we take our eyes off ourselves and consider other people, we're generally happier. It's easy to be woe is me. Easy to be woe is me. So how do we do this? How, and this is the third sort of observation I'd make this morning. How can we consider the others when they are poor, weak, and helpless? How can we consider others when they're poor, we can help us? I don't know if you're already like sitting here thinking like, what do I do to consider the poor? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's answer that question. The first is this. Take time to consider, take note, and listen. Take time to consider, take note of other people, and listen to them fundamentally in the DNA of being a Christian. We cannot be people 
that ignore, oppress, or neglect. We cannot, as followers of Jesus, be people who ignore, oppress, or neglect. We help people who are poor, weak, and helpless because we've been there. And practically, you can go from rags to riches any moment. Take time to consider, take note, and listen. Sometimes we're so busy, we don't even see the people right around us. Take time to take note of the people that are around you. Listen to people we cannot ignore. Here's the second thing. Take action toward real needs. Take action toward real needs. So when you consider the poor, the weak, and the helpless, just don't stop at, hey, he's poor, weak, and helpless. And I've taken note. Write that down. But actually take action. How do you take action? That might be your presence with somebody. They're they're emotionally weak or poor. It might be just, I'm going to be a friend right now. I'm going to sit with them for longer than two minutes, more than a text. I'm going to sit with them in it. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to keep coming back. I mean, maybe you need to just take action with your presence. Prayer is an important way that we take action toward real needs people have. We ask God for their provision, for their goodness, for their healing, for their strength, for their joy. Connection relationally. I mean, maybe they, they're lonely and we connect. Practical help, sometimes money. Did you know that you're allowed to give your money to somebody else that needs it? It's, it's true. <laughs> you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Dear Lord. just want to go to heaven when I die. You are allowed to take the resources that you have been blessed with, whatever they are, and help somebody else. And did you know you don't have to go through the church to do it? Don't have to ask Pastor Brian. You don't have to give it through the budget so you get the tax write-off. You can just hand somebody some money. That needs it if you want to. And so maybe sometimes it's maybe sometimes it's practical help like that. Maybe it's it's clothes, maybe it's shoes, maybe it's maybe it's counseling. Maybe they need help getting to counseling. They don't know how to do it. Maybe you need to help pay for it. I don't know. Take action though. Take action toward real needs. Here's the third thing. So we take time to consider, we take action toward real needs. The third thing, own your domain. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, etc., the people in it, the people that you come in contact with, you are the ambassador in that place. You are the follower of Jesus among those people. You know them. Own it. Take note. Take action. Keep your eyes up. Do you know that poor people, weak people, helpless people may not look stereotypically poor? They might, but they might not. 
Take note. Own the domain that you live in, that you work in. Keep your eyes up. Here's the fourth thing. Participate with the church to do exponentially more together. Do you know that when we consider the poor together, we make an exponential impact? I just want to mention a couple of things. When you take the Lord's Supper and you walk out of here and you give whatever you give for a common needs offering, when you do that, you, you are buying people gas that could not afford gas. You're paying electric bills for people that cannot afford their electric bill. You're buying groceries for people that cannot afford food right here in our community. That's what you're doing when you give the common needs. We engage with kingdom partners. We give money to kingdom partners. We use our hands and feet with kingdom partners, dozens of them all over the 4B area. They engage daily with the poor, the weak, the needy, the helpless. And when you give, you give in a way that fuels that. There are life groups in this church, small groups of people who have said, hey, there's somebody that we want to take care of. I know of one in particular that takes care of a single mom who could not take care of herself otherwise for lots of different reasons. They, they, they pay her rent. It's awesome. Let's do it more, you know? And so when you work together as a church, you can do exponentially more. 15% of our budget this last year, 15% of our giving went to missions. And much of that is engagement of the poor, weak, and hurting in the 4B area, the Northeast, and the Middle East. 15% of $3.6 million went to do that. You made that happen. Participate with the church to do exponentially more. Now, here's the thing. A blessed person is not one necessarily whose football team wins. A blessed person considers the poor, according to the scriptures, 178 times. 178 times. So I'd ask you, church, but you as a person, us as a church, let's surrender to the way of the righteous, to the path of God. Blessed are those who consider the poor in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers them. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Ask the Lord to speak to you. Jesus, I thank you for considering us, the poor, weak, spiritually blind, spiritually imprisoned. Thank you for freedom, for liberty, for a new identity in you, for forgiveness of sin, for a promised future. We're really grateful. Help us, Father, to be people who consider the poor. People that are spiritually poor, emotionally poor, physically poor. God, help us to take note. Help us to take 
action. Use us for your glory in that way. We pray for your blessing in that way on this church and on these people. We love you so much.